time this uh, week and that he and Vanessa would uh, be refreshed and uh, we pray for God's blessing on them. Before we open the word of God this morning, let's, uh, let's have a little bit of a prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to praise you now, give you all the glory and the honor you will never receive as much glory as you are due. And Lord, we praise you and thank you now for time to come together to open your word. We pray that your spirit would be here among us to speak to us and show our hearts what you have for us to understand today. Lord, we praise you that your love is an everlasting love and that uh, you will do all your good and perfect will in our lives and in this world. And so we trust you in all things. Lord, we thank you now and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look this morning at uh, something that I think many, many people do not understand. And uh, the Lord has laid this on my heart in recent days. And uh, the question I'm asking all of us to consider is, do you really love Christ? Today, I think, uh, potentially, for some of you listening to my voice, this is a life or death message. And I'm going to open with this uh, first idea that number one, uh, whenever I've read these next three verses in the Gospel of Matthew, I consider this to be a most tragic and shocking passage. Every time I read this, I, I shake my head a bit. Let's read these words from Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21, where the Lord Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. How many of you think that these people Jesus will be addressing thought they were headed for heaven? Yeah, I, me too. I think they all thought they were going to wind up in heaven. And what did they even call Jesus here? They called him Lord. Lord. And look at what it says these people did. It says, did we not prophesy in your name? This is like preaching and sharing the word of God. Lord, we preached your word. 
We shared the gospel with people. We shared the word of God. We preached it. We prophesied. And in your name, we drove out demons. And in your name, we performed miracles. Have we done all these things? How many here have done all these things? Preached the word, driven out demons, and performed miracles in the name of Christ. I'd say there would be very few hands that would go up. But these people did that. And they're, they're looking at what had happened in their lives in relation, they thought, in relation to Christ. I have wondered, what? How could this possibly be when I've read this, these verses in the past? I don't get it. What did they do wrong? Well, Jesus tells them directly. He says, I never knew you. And I'm thinking, how's this possible? How can people do all this and have Jesus at the end of all of it, on the day of judgment, say, you know what? Here's the problem. I never knew you. There was no personal relationship. You can seemingly talk and do all the right things, but not have an actual relationship with Christ. That's possible. I find that shocking. And it should shake some of us to our boots. So, therefore... My second point this morning is our aim today in this message. I find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, where the Apostle Paul says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Because I'll guarantee you there's a large load of people that are going to say, Lord, Lord, look at our lives. And the final word will be, I never knew you. Depart. You will not be with me in eternity. I do not want anybody in this room to experience that. That's why I'm sharing this this morning. For years, I would read this verse, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And I would wonder, how do you do that? Yeah, examine myself to see if I'm saved, but how do you go about that. I, I think I am. And, and these people in Matthew 7 thought they were. They thought everything was on the up and up. So how do you do this? Well, here's a major issue. A major issue that I've picked up over the, the last several years. Many, many people in this country and around the world think that salvation results from believing that Bible information is true. I would ask for a raise, hands to be raised, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. I know there are people in here today who think, if I believe that what the Bible says is true, then I'm going to heaven. 
I'm here to inform you otherwise today. Like up there in, in verse 22 of Matthew 7, they said, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We preached the Bible. We told people the truths of the Bible. We believe they are true. That's why we preached it. We know they're true. But what's the outcome? Sorry, folks. I never knew you. So, just believing that Bible information is true will not save you. You know, in a poll, 80% of Americans think the Bible is true and that it's the Word of God. Okay? And a majority of Americans think they will go to heaven because they believe in God. You know, atheists, there are famous atheists in history who have lived that way for years and years and years, and then finally they begin to believe in God, and I bet you they think when they start to believe in God that they are going to heaven. But James 2.19 has this to say to us in the book of James. You say you have faith. For you believe there is one God. Okay? Good for you. Even the demons believe this. In fact, they tremble in terror over the fact that they believe it so much. That, brothers and sisters and friends, is demonic faith. Believing in God. It is demonic belief to believe in God. is only believing that the information is true and no demon is saved. So only believing information is true is not enough. Um, it will not save you. John Piper writes an instructive article entitled, How is your faith different from the devil's? Because the devil does have faith. He does have belief. He believes things. In other words, we must ask how much of a spiritual action we might do can the devil likewise do, just like we can. For example, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, but by applying this devil's faith principle, we see in Matthew 8, verse 29, the demon says to Jesus, why, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? The demons say that to Jesus. And in Mark 1, verse 24, the demon says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And so clearly, the demons can mouth the words, Jesus is Lord. They can say it. They can say the words. They can say Jesus is the Holy One of God. They can say Jesus is the Son of God. They can mouth any Bible verse. In fact, on the day of Jesus' temptation, what did the devil use to tempt Jesus? Bible verses. He, can, he knows the Bible. 
He knows all the facts of the Bible. In fact, the demons and the devil believe the Apostles' Creed is true. They know it's true. There is one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and his Son, Jesus Christ, who was born of the Virgin Mary, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead. They believe all of that is true. They know it's true, but they are not saved. So believing those facts are true will not save you. You may believe the doctrinal statement of this church, which is a semi-lengthy little one-page document. You may believe it's all true, and you may join this church, but those things by themselves will not save you. The mouthing of words will not save you. Now, here's where the difference comes in. That's why I'm preaching this this morning. The true believer has repented and turned away from their sin to Christ and has a love and a trust relationship with Christ. That is saving faith. Saving faith is trust in Christ with love for him. That is what the demons don't have. Despite knowing the information, despite knowing the truths, and believing that God exists, there's no love for God, and there's no trust in God. There's no receiving of him. There's no openness in the heart and a love for God. Charles Spurgeon said, I may know all the doctrines of the Bible, but unless I know Christ, there is not one of them that can save me. Amen? Amen. That's the truth. The key difference is brought out in Romans 10 verse 9, which declares the deeper reality which says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The difference is found in the heart. The heart is the difference. That is, Paul points out our third point this morning, the difference. Romans 6 verse 17 says, we must confess or act whatever we do spiritually from the heart. From the heart. Meaning, believers gladly embrace the truth. They don't just know the facts and understand what the facts are. They embrace it. They love it. Not begrudgingly, but joyfully. Something the demons and the devil cannot do. They do not rejoice in Christ. They do not rejoice in his resurrection or his death on the cross to pay for our sins. The believer loves that. And they love Jesus. And they say privately in their heart before the Lord, Lord, I love you. I'm committed to you. My heart is open to you. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior, and I love it. That's the difference. So knowing facts will not save us, but loving Jesus and surrendering to his Lordship will. The demons have no relationship and no love for Christ 
people who can mouth words, even preachers. There are famous preachers that have lived in this country, preached for years, and then finally, one day, I've heard a, a, an audio tape of a, Christ, of a preacher who understood who Christ was and a love for Christ came up in his heart in the middle of a sermon and he started weeping because he said, I get it. And the people probably, the people in the church are going, what's going on? What does he get? He gets love for Christ. That's what I want to know from you. Do you just have information in your head or do you love Jesus? That will make all the difference in eternity. The reality of knowing Christ and not having to hear him say someday, depart from me, I never knew you. So the question is, do you know him? This is the reason for the greatest commandment in the Bible. Jesus said, they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Everything you are, you must love God. You must love Jesus. That's the reason. It's the greatest commandment there is. This love is the essence of of having a saving relationship with Christ and God. It is greater than any other love in your life. If you were to lose everything but have this, you would still have life. So when 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, love for Christ is the heart of the matter. Many think that if you're basically a good person and you believe a number of these things are true, you'll be all right. That is not true. The Bible is clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 or 3.23 and uh, Paul goes on to say that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, not cleaned up and okay, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the truth. So today, I pray we will all understand this here. And not leave here thinking today, you know, I'm okay, because I think these things are true. You have fallen short if that's all it is, if you think it's true. I want us to honestly weigh our hearts. This issue here may tell the tale for your eternity. So privately, between you and God, now or tonight, Face the fact, do you love Jesus? And can you privately between you and him say, Lord, I love you and I want you to be the God and the boss of my life. Come into my life. I repent of my sin and I desire your sacrifice on the cross to be for me. Not just information. 
And here's the way Jesus measures love. Whoever has my commands, because they are from me, and obeys them, he is the one who really loves me because he obeys out of obedience, out of love. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. I will have a relationship with that person because he loves me and obeys me out of that love. So such a person who truly loves Jesus has that relationship, and he will never hear Jesus say, I never knew you. So do you hear his words gladly when you hear them? I hope you do. Only you know the true answer to this for you and nobody else. It's between you and God. If you're not sure where you stand, maybe today is the day to do business with God. Turn from your sin and surrender to Christ as your God to love him. The question is, do you have or do I have a genuine relationship with Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would do what only you can do in our hearts. We cannot pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and create new life in our own hearts. Lord, you must do that work. This is the work of God, Jesus said, to have faith. That is the work of God, to have faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you will do a marvelous work in our hearts today. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So, uh, God knows the truth. He knows where each one of our hearts are at. Um, we cannot fool God. And uh, you know the truth. And the Holy Spirit will make it clear. I'd like us all to spend our own personal time sometime this week and say, Lord, I want to know you better. I want to know you truly and really and have a relationship with you that is growing, that is uh, deepening day by day. And that's between you and God. Let's all do that this week. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you. We submit our lives to Christ as the one true Lord of our hearts. We thank you and praise you now in his name. Amen.